Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy, and welcome back to our first spoiler section for season three. I just love season three. I'm so excited. I, I don't think I've been this excited for a season yet. Like, I obviously, we were very excited when we started um, the show in general in season one, but I just... I think I get more excited with each new season that comes around because it's like, yes, less to talk about in the spoiler section and more to talk Mm -hmm. about like in the regular one where we can talk about character growth and stuff. I'm just – this is going to be so fun. Season three is where a lot of really big changes happen and I think that it's such a cool thing to talk about with people who have – not seen it before and be like, whoa, like you have this new character of faith that's really going to shake things up. Oh my gosh, Angel's back. And what does that mean for Buffy and Angel? Like, and then it's just like, oh, I don't know. Like there's just so much that happens in season three that it's just like, it's just such an exciting season. Depressing and sad, but also very exciting. I mean, what Buffy season is not depressing and sad. They all are to the certain extent. I mean, some more than others, obviously, but yeah, season three is really interesting. And I think every single season kind of shakes things up. I don't think that there's a single season that's exactly like the one before it. But season three, we start to move into very different territory with, we see a darker side of Buffy with Faith. Um, We start to see changes with Giles getting kicked off the Watcher's Council. We see um, the introduction of Wesley, obviously. We see Anya briefly. Like We start to have more new characters joining, and it's just really fun. Just a warning to all of you guys, this is our spoiler section. I know we've already kind of talked about spoilers, but if you are new here and you haven't been listening to our previous episodes, this is the spoiler section where we talk about all of Buffy and also all of the show Angel. So if you have not watched all of Buffy, you have not watched all of Angel, and you don't want to be spoiled, then I highly recommend skipping this section and coming back to it after you've rewatched or you've watched all of the show. Or if you don't care about spoilers, then feel free to stay on, but you've been warned. All right, so we talked in the spoiler-free section about how the main theme about season three is choices. And I would say another theme of season three, it's kind of like a sub-theme. There's a lot of sub-themes. Um, one of them is kind of um, repressed sexuality. And I'm talking about specifically between Buffy and Angel. They can't actually consummate their love because of what happened in season two. And so you see a lot of that in this this season. And it's also kind of represented in the character of Faith. Faith in a lot of ways is very hypersexual. Um, and I think she's specifically supposed to represent the slayer side and is supposed to kind of represent the more animalistic side of the slayer. And it's just interesting that they, when they brought Faith in, they didn't initially plan for her being here longer than a couple episodes. And yet she kind of starts to physically represent the longing that's happening between Angel and Buffy, which is just really interesting. It's crazy to me how many characters 
we're only supposed to be like a couple episodes. I mean, that is a couple, but like Spike was only supposed to be, I think, five episodes in total. Can you imagine how different the show would have been if Faith wasn't like in it? Like if she just was like another Kendra who just popped in yeah, and out? right. The show does it so well, but they really what they really do well and what really helps the audience understand what they're trying to say is when they don't want to show everything through Buffy, they show aspects of Buffy through other characters. And so it makes it really interesting constantly in new seasons, new characters is because it's constantly bringing out different aspects about the Slayer, different aspects about the Slayer verse, just like everything in general. And so I think having Faith's character not only shows us what a Slayer could be, but what Buffy could be. So it makes the whole season incredibly interesting because you have this Slayer and you're sitting there being like, ah, she's so frustrating. But then you're like, oh my gosh, she's so interesting. And then you see Buffy being torn and then it becomes incredibly gray, even more so than the second season. So it's just gold. I love it. It's also just a really interesting episode to dig into and kind of like discuss thematically because I think another um, sub-theme in this episode or in the season is outgrowing authority. And you really see that with Giles getting kicked out of the Watchers Council with Buffy saying, all right, you guys are no longer in charge of me. You know, Faith obviously bucking everything and even Buffy kind of going, okay, well – I am a slayer. I don't have to necessarily be accountable to authority. And then realizing that she still has a moral code that she has to live up to. And yeah, it's just really, really interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't want to get too much into it because I think each episode is going to kind of delve into that a little bit, but it's just, it's going to be really, really fun to talk about because I think that faith in particular adds a whole other layer and allows us, like you were saying, tabs allows us to explore a side of Buffy that we really haven't seen before. Um, in particular, you know, season one is Buffy accepting, okay, I am a slayer. I can't run from that. Season two is Buffy going, okay, how can I fit together my normal life, my slayer life, and then coming to terms with that uh, being a slayer is who I am. It's not just a job. It's not like, oh, I have to compartmentalize these two sides. I have to fit them both together, and that's when I'm at my strongest. So now that Buffy has fully grasped and accepted that role, what? where do we go from here? And I think a really cool part of that is, okay, so is Buffy going to go down the side of, well, since I am a slayer, I can do whatever I want with absolutely no accountability, kind of like faith and become really attracted and tempted by that side of the slayer? Or am I going to choose to go in the other direction, which is I'm going to hold myself accountable and I'm not going to kill people. I'm only going to kill demons. I'm not going to do whatever it is that I want. So I'm really excited to explore that theme. There's there's a lot that's been written about it. All right. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was obviously we have this contrast between what's happening at school and then what's happening at Buffy's apartment. And it's really interesting because Buffy's feelings of hopelessness, her loss of identity, and even the way that she is living is a very, very similar to Faith. I don't know if you guys recognize that, but like the apartment that Buffy's living in in LA looks all like uh, Faith's apartment later on um, in the sense that it's very meager. There's not a lot there. The isolation and loss of identity that Buffy's experiencing in this episode is very much of what Faith feels like for most of the season and that she doesn't really feel accepted fully by the Scoobies. She's kind of like, who am I? She feels like she lives underneath Buffy's shadow. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I 
I have seen so many times people talking about how Faith was not given every chance by the Scoobies. They're like, oh, the Scoobies were so mean to Faith. They never really fully accepted her. They were not nice to her. Like, And then there's even Faith saying to Buffy, like, you don't understand where I'm at. You have all these people. You've never experienced isolation. You've never experienced all this stuff. And I, I think it's really important to recognize here at the very beginning that yes, Buffy has actually experienced all those things and that it's not 100% fair of Faith nor of people who criticize Buffy on Faith's behalf to say that Buffy has never experienced anything like what Faith has because I think very clearly she has. And here's the thing. I think that critique could be valid if Faith had opened up at least a little bit about what she's struggling with because I think that in the beginning it's very clear she has a lot of trauma but then she just like pushed it down and any any opportunity that Buffy was trying to be kind to her or ask questions and stuff, she would just either lie, deflect, or just like not talk about it. Um, and so it's like – it's hard because it's like you don't really know if she needs help or if she is just like – I don't know. It, it, she's very hard to read from um, a peer perspective. And for us, we can clearly tell that she has a lot of trauma. But like – Buffy tried to be friends with her. She invited her over to the house. Like she was friends with her. She invited her in a group and her tight group of friends. Like she like went patrolling with her. I think that Buffy tried to do all that she could as much as she knew about faith. And so I can see that as viewers perspective, but I think from like Buffy's perspective, I think that she did all that she could for with the information that she had. Yeah, I agree. I also think that at a certain point, it became really toxic to just be friends with Faith. I think Buffy kind of recognized that, hey, Faith is kind of tempting me down a path that I'm not really certain where I land on at this point. Or even the whole mindset of Faith's okay with killing someone I'm not. Like Buffy's putting up a very clear line and Faith is okay with crossing that line. And as a slayer, Buffy's like, okay, I have to, I have to step back. So we'll get there when we get there. But I just think that keeping the stuff that's happening in Anne in mind as we move on to the rest of the season will allow us to see Buffy in a much more sympathetic light. Because I think it's so easy to sympathize with Faith because we see how much, how lonely she is, how much she wants a friend group and Buffy over here who has everything. But I think it's incredibly unfair to say that Buffy cannot understand and cannot empathize fully with what Faith is going through because Buffy has been there, you know? All right, let's talk about Willow. So it's really interesting in the beginning of Anne, when Buffy's gone, who's the person that leads the Scoobies? It's Willow. Even Willow is kind of taking the reins when it comes to fighting vamps over Giles. Like she's like, checking in with Giles and she's like, yeah, so we're doing this. We're catching the vamps. He's like, okay, just, just be careful. Like he's not actually giving her the orders. And I think it's super interesting because we saw this happen in the dark age, but we also see this happen in season six when Willow kind of leads the gang after Buffy dies. And the attitude Willow has here about wanting everything to be the way it was is very, very similar to season six and is reminiscent to her mindset and her reasoning for why she pulls Buffy out of heaven. What did you guys think when you listened to Willow talking in this episode? I think it was just very, I don't want to say in denial, but I think it was just trying her trying to cope. And I think 
we've talked about how she has an unhealthy relationship with power. And I think with Buffy losing, it made her feel really spun out of control because Buffy was her best friend and all of a sudden her best friend's gone. And I think that one way she kind of helped maintain her reality was by gaining some power and control by kind of heading up the Scoobies. Or just denial of what's happening or denial of like maybe the depth of a situation. Her like not wanting to talk about Buffy in past tense. I feel like she has always wanted to divert away from rough subjects unless it pertains to her specifically. And so I think in this episode, you kind of see her enjoy kind of playing the Slayer, but then also at the same time, not wanting to think about Buffy. It, she's like kind of a little bit scatterbrained for me. I don't, it, it's fun to rewatch because I've always kind of like known a lot of these things about Willow, but then seeing a lot of the details in it, like Willow's one of the best written characters in her like character arc. Meaning like when she turns a certain way or when she moves into a different direction, everything kind of makes sense along the way. She's not like, oh, like it's a different character from the beginning to the end. She's the same person. So I think it's it's really interesting to see all the Easter eggs and all the buildup. Yeah. I think that watching Willow subtly talking about how, man, I want things to be the way they were. I mean, I wish Buffy were here. Willow doesn't like things that are out of her control and she doesn't like things that are new um, and that change. And so I think that stems into some very selfish behavior. Specifically, I'm thinking about, I only have eyes for you when she's telling Buffy like, man, you've kind of been bummer Buffy and you've been really bumming me out at the, at the bronze. Like, can you just like get better now? And so I think that like stems into um, season six, when she's like, I want Buffy to raise from the dead because I want things to go back to be the way they were. And I think that's not a fully wrong mindset. And it's, I don't want to like fault Willow for wanting things to go back the way they were. I want her friend back. But I think sometimes Willow tends to be very selfish and not actually consider other people's needs when she has those desires. Like it's okay to say, Oh, I want my friend back. But then you also have to go, Okay, is it? wise is it best for my friend if they are back and also go okay well why isn't my friend here right now <laughs> she had some trauma she had some stuff she's going through and like recognizing that um okay so then this scene at the beach which we talked about in go fish how the beach for in buffy kind of symbolizes a normal life and also is very similar to angel i mean i think every time i see this scene i think about um i will remember you how it was at the beach that Angel comes and kisses Buffy in the light. And so I think that this moment right here kind of symbolizes everything that Buffy wants. Um, and I think it's also interesting too when you have the whole forever, that's the whole point, I'll never leave. In Angel season five, the episode in The Girl in Question, Angel specifically tells Spike, he says, our love is a forever love, which I love I think that's really a really sweet callback to this. Also, um, there's a fun little antidote. So today I showed Gwen the end part of Gwen is my five-year-old daughter, the end scene of um, Becoming Part Two. Sarah, you need to stop showing her all the important stuff. <laughs> For reference, Sarah will literally show sh Gwen, her daughter, has seen the literal finale of the show multiple times <laughs> because Sarah will show her like action scenes or whatever 
And I mean, that's fine because when she was she's going to remember forget, all this. But now she's starting to remember. She's going to know all the important stuff before any of the buildup. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'll we'll figure it out. But anyway, I showed her becoming part two today, and she didn't remember any of it. So we were watching it, and of course, it's like the buildup, the ramp up of like Willa doing the spell and stuff. And Gwen's over on the other. We have um, a corner couch, and so she's on the other side, and I'm on one side. And it gets literally to the part where Willow finishes the spell, and Angel becomes insult. And as Buffy lifts up the sword, and Angel like gasps, Gwen looks over at me and starts whimpering, and then comes and crawls over next to me. And I was like, are you okay, honey? I was like, do you want me to stop and everything? She goes, no, 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 I like it. I like it. Keep going. And so we kept going. And, you know, of course, Buffy has to kill Angel. She kills Angel. And I look over and Gwen's got like tears in her eyes. And she goes, mommy, why did, why did Buffy have to kill Angel? And I was like, well, it's really complicated, honey. Like, I can't, I can't really explain it to you. And she was like, is it really scary? I was like, well, I mean, that's part of it. And then, you know, full of grace comes on and she's like, but mommy, like, why, why does Buffy have to leave her family? And I was like, well, because she's really sad. She really loved Angel. And then she was like, wait, forever and ever? And I was like, well, and I thought she was talking about Buffy leaving. And I was like, well, um, you'll just have to watch and see. Like, maybe Buffy will come back. I don't think she's going to be gone forever and ever. And Gwen was like, no, no. Does Buffy love Angel forever and ever? And I was yes, like, oh Gwen. My yes, she does. Oh, that's <laughs> yes, so she does. Sweet. Isn't uh, that the her cookies thing? are done baking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I just thought that was the sweetest thing, and I think for a five-year-old to see that in just that scene, how much that Buffy and Angel love each other, theirs is a forever love for sure. So. I normally don't try to go off on tangents, but I thought that that was really sweet and it tied in very well to, you know, forever. That's the whole point, you know? I love like a couple of the, I'm not going to say callbacks because it's technically season six that this happens, but Buffy also works in the food industry again in season six when she's at her lowest. And I think it's funny that there's a correlation between Buffy at her lowest in season three and her lowest in season six and she works in fast food for both of them. (laughs) Well, I think what it is is ultimately Buffy's not cut out for a nine to five. Like she's not cut out to just like <laughs> no, and I mean that in the most like Buffy's life is so interesting and so all over the place that going and clocking into work f- probably feels so mundane and like tedious. It's like really you yeah. want me to like flip burgers when I've literally staked like vampires all night? I completely understand why it feels so pointless to her. Well, I think they're trying to show this is what happens when Buffy tries to to have a normal life, when she tries to fit in. It doesn't work. It's uncomfortable. Buffy's miserable because she's not actually doing what she was made to do. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting that it's just fast food. And the Helen's Kitchen thing just makes me crack up every time. I think one thing that I wanted to talk about was Anne or, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever – we call her I Lily. Yeah, Anne, Lily, whatever Chantel. When I see her, she is Anne. And it's just like she was one of those people that I actually recognized when she came in Angel. But like she just becomes such a beautiful character. And I'm mad that they didn't have like 
one more callback of Buffy and her in this episode. I wish you would have seen Buffy call and check up on her or like something small where when she was an angel, she was just like, oh yeah, Buffy checked up on me a few times or like something like that. Obviously, that's me being selfish. I would have loved to see that. But either way... No, 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 not at all. (laughs) But either way, I just love how she became independent and more than independent she started caring for others who like didn't have a home she just becomes such a beautiful strong character and i just i just love it so much it's really cool that lily talks about not having a home not having a place to stay that she's always lived in abandoned places and yet what does she do over an angel she runs a homeless shelter like it's so cool and i also think it's Worth noting, too, that Anne is in the finale of Angel, and she has this really, really cool line where Gunn's like, man, like, nothing we do matters. Like, at the end of the day, like, the bad guys are still going to just win. Um, And Angel, not fade away, is the title of the finale. Gunn says, what if I told you it doesn't help? What would you do if you found out that none of it matters, that it's all controlled by forces more powerful and uncaring than we can conceive, and they will never let it get better down here? What would you do? And Anne says, I get this truck packed before the new stuff gets here. Want to give me a hand? And I think that's so cool. I love that they gave that line to her because she is, at that point, she's literally speaking and living out the mission statement of Angel and Buffy to a certain extent, which is if um, all the, if nothing that we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Um, and I think the idea is that we cannot control what's happening outside. All we can control is what's right in front of us and try to make the world a better place in as many little ways as we can. And I think it's so cool that she not only took the name Anne, but she also took the last name, which was Steel. And it's because I think – that place that they're working at in this episode is I think it's a refinery where they're making weaponry and stuff. I think it's a steel mill. And so I think she took that as a reminder of where she's come from and that the day that she actually decided to fight for her own independence. It's just really cool. I also love the fact that we get to see a little mini recovery of Anne in Anne or, you know, whatever. Um, And we, I think it's beautiful because we know the Buffy is not there yet, but we you get some sort of like comfort knowing, just knowing at the end of this episode that Buffy will get there. She will be okay. She may not be okay right now. At least for me, like watching Anne kind of recover and then get like better at like taking care of herself or whatever. I just like the first time I'm watching this, I just knew Buffy would be okay eventually. Um, And I think that's really sweet because it's like, you know, that Buffy is not okay right now and it may take a long time. But seeing that through a different character who has gone through, and I think they did on purpose, who's gone through very similar things to Buffy and is on her way to recovery, you just know that Buffy will be okay. What I love about this episode is that it's such a small thing for Buffy. Like, you know, she was already leaving anyways. And so, like, to give Anne her identity and the apartment and, like, job and all that and set her up, you, like, of course that's a huge thing. And you're like, oh, my gosh, Buffy, like, how sweet. But it's like... Buffy didn't realize that she literally set Anne on a path for her life. Like, it just is so beautiful. Like, that one act of kindness that Buffy did for Anne changed her whole life. And I think that that's so beautiful because that's the kind of stuff that Buffy does all the time. Even when she's at her lowest, she considers others. And not just that, too. Like, 
this stems into this the show Angel too. Like Anne isn't like a hugely prominent character, but she's in I think like three episodes in Angel, and she even is part of helping Angel get back on track as well. Because when Anne pops up in season two, Angel's separated from the rest of the gang and kind of on like really kind of miserable. And he meets up with Anne and she kind of reminds him why he's doing what he's doing, even without them both recognizing each other and realizing that Buffy's involved. And so you have Anne popping up multiple times throughout the episode. And she, the last time she was on Buffy was in the Our Love is a Forever Love. And I think it's a reminder that Buffy touches every single life that she meets up with. And that even if Buffy's not physically there, her presence is always going to be felt by Angel and by the people around her. And I just – I absolutely love that. I, I love that they never fully address Anne's connection to Buffy. I wish that they had. I think that would have been really cool. But I love that us as the viewers, we understand and we know. I'd also like to take this moment, and I'm sure both of you guys are going to get here eventually, but I want to talk about it. My bad. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Um, one of my – okay. First of all, one of the most underrated episodes that gets crapped on for absolutely no reason in my opinion um, in season three is Beauty and the Beast. I think it is a oh, dang fantastic it. Dang episode. It, I know. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it up because I love Beauty and the Beast on its own. But then so how good. this ties in with it just makes it so much better. At the end of um, the episode, we all know what I'm talking about. When like Angel mm-hmm. is struggling I to even know. say anything. <laughs> He's um, held to mention Angel. It's the first time that he sees Buffy, Leah. Um, mm-hmm. And he like no, kills I know, the I know that. Dude. I just don't know how it's correlated to this episode. Okay. Tabby will tell you. Go ahead, Tabs. Mm-hmm. And then he's like even struggling to say anything. And then he like pushes out the words and says, Buffy drops his knees sobbing and then just holds her. That's one of my absolute favorite scenes in the entirety of the show. Like I'm being dead serious. I like when I think of Buffy, for some reason, that scene just pops in my head. I think it is so beautiful. I think it is just it's amazing. And I didn't even pick up the correlation between what happened um, in this episode and how that correlates in a few episodes to Beating the Beast until like I think mm-hmm. the rewatch with my mom or my sister a few months ago when I rewatched this and I was like it just gave me goosebumps because I was like oh my gosh like I didn't know how much more beautiful and how much it adds to that episode and yeah. so Leah in, in this episode when Ken is talking to Anne and Buffy and he says um, he's talking about Ricky and now he like worked with them and then they spit him back out. And he says, he remembered your name years after he had forgotten his own. And so it just shows true and undying love. It's supposed to mirror Ricky mm. and Lily and Anne, or and sorry, and Buffy and Angel. And then oh, a few episodes yeah, yeah. later, Angel says Buffy's name and he doesn't remember mm. himself, but he remembers Buffy. And so, so it's just sweet. like, oh, I love it so much. Well, and even more than that, too. So Buffy says, this isn't hell. And Ken says, isn't it? What is hell Mm. but the total absence of hope? The substance, the tactile proof of despair. You're right, Lily. This is where you've been heading all your life just like Ricky. So where is Angel right now in this moment in season three? He's actually in a hell dimension. That's where Buffy sent him. And he actually was tormented for – 
in the lore, he's there for over a hundred years. And so that's why when he comes back, he's so feral, but he remembers Buffy's name just like Ricky mm-hmm. did. So there's a very clear parallel between Ricky and Angel, both being in hell dimensions and both of them remembering the loves of their lives names before or like how long after they've forgotten their own, which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, so beautiful. Thanks for bringing that up, Tabs. Stealing my thunder, man. No, I'm, I'm proud of you. Good job. I think it's funny that in the montage of all the lonely, sad people in LA, they decide to use one of them in like the credits for the show Angel. Yes, I noted yeah. that too. I was like, yeah. why? Like, it's so random. Rayon you brand. have plenty. But I was like, you have plenty of fi- like footage of LA that you could use. Why did you need to take from Buffy? Well, once again, it's the idea of Buffy spills over into every aspect of Angel's life. And Mm -hmm. this episode, at this point, they weren't fully – they hadn't gotten the green light for um, Angel's series yet. They hadn't – they kind of had ideas, but they hadn't nailed it down. So – this episode is kind of just a happy accident that when Buffy's depressed, she goes to LA. And then when Angel's depressed, he goes to LA as well. Like, it's just lucky how it happens. And also too, like, let's look at it. Where where does Buffy go to when she's sad about Angel? She goes to the City of Angels. Like, there is no coincidence there. Like, she's in everything that Buffy does, she's thinking about Angel. Well, I think it's very fitting that they use a clip from Buffy, but also specifically this episode because it kind of fits mm-hmm. the theme of the show Angel, where it's like yes. recovering and making amends for what you've done and finding your purpose again. And so I think I kind of like the fact that it's from this episode and she's mourning Angel. And so I think I like the fact that they use a clip from the specific episode in the show Angel because I think it fits really beautifully. Yeah, no, it totally does. A lot of people have referred to this episode as kind of a backdoor pilot to Angel because it works really well in setting up the premise of Angel without the writers even having thought about it, which I absolutely love. Um, So there is a fan theory out there. When Lily is talking to Buffy, she talks about how she was following a loser preacher for a while, calling herself Sister Sunshine. So some people theorize that that preacher is actually Caleb from season seven. Isn't that kind of cool? In my head canon, that's real. I kept thinking that too. I was like, he strikes me as Caleb. Uh, yeah. I didn't think about yep. that. Honestly, I just was like, like thinking about the fact I was like, man, like she fell for one goal and then she fell for another. The actor who plays Ken in this episode, Carlos Jackot, he will appear um, in season one of Angel in The Bachelor Party. He is Doyle's ex-wife's fiance who ends up being a demon. And Do you, do you remember that at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. They have to eat Doyle's brains and stuff like that. That's such a weird episode. (laughs) I know. Also, the um, his like ex wife is played by the actress in the episode and Friends, who um, they kept calling to order pizza, and she's a pixie cut, and she kept coming to the house to give him the pizza, and Ross is trying to flirt with her. Oh yeah, (laughs) and he gets all uncomfortable. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's funny. I keep forgetting like the. Friends and Buffy was made around the same time because the shows have such radically different vibes. And I also well, kind of feel like Friends. Did you know they shared wardrobes? Yes. I've seen several different like shirts mm-hmm. that's like on Phoebe and also on like. Phoebe and Willow yes. have the same like quirky wardrobe. And so yeah. they share a few different shirts specifically because they have lots of weird patterns. And then Rachel and Buffy have similar mm-hmm. styles. So they share a lot of the same shirts as well. Yeah, there's also a couple of shirts that Sarah Jessica Parker wears in Sex in the City that Buffy also wears as well, which is really funny. <laughs> that is really funny because 
like Sarah Michelle Gellar is like obsessed with Sex and the City. So she probably was super like happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, she was on an episode too, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. She looks like she walks straight off of the set from like season five or six of Buffy. She probably didn't have much time. Poor thing. There's like a an interview or something where she said that like she was like working a ton and she said that she was like – if I can be even just a cameo in Sex and City, I will like stop everything and do it. And so she like she said that she like rolled off from like some set or something and like was so tired, but she wanted to make it work. It's just really strange seeing her on that show. I'm like, what is even happening? Because she looks just like Buffy at that point. All right. So speaking of season six, it's really interesting. And we talked about this briefly in the spoiler free section, but when Giles and Joyce are looking for Buffy, they're not able to find her. And I pointed out, like, she has to find her own way back on her own. And that's very, very similar to season six. Only Buffy can get herself out of her depression. Only Buffy is able to pick herself back up and find her way out, which I think is really, really a really cool parallel. And I think I've always, I think, looked down on this episode because I don't like it when Buffy's sad. I, those are not my favorite episodes, but I really, really love it when Buffy finds herself and she's empowered and she can stand back up. Um, and so I think that this episode in particular is rising higher on my list of favorite episodes than it was initially. I just need to get over the fact that Buffy's kind of down the dumps for half of it. So Buffy saying the iconic, I'm Buffy, the vampire slayer, and you are. Buffy actually only says that line, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, twice in the show. This is obviously the first time. The second time is in season seven. The episode is Help. It's with Cassie, the girl that Buffy tries to save when she's a school counselor. Um, And it's in a really cool moment when her and Willow are going to try and find Cassie at her house. And Buffy's like, I shouldn't kick down this door. And she says, Buffy the Vampire Slayer would break down this door. And Willow goes, and Buffy the Counselor? And Buffy goes, waits. And I think that's really cool how, you know, you have Buffy over here using her identity to help rescue people in Anne. And then in season seven, she's using her identity to rescue people. But it's human Buffy that's rescuing people as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I just think is really cool. That probably wasn't intentional, but I think it's cool. Also, okay, can we talk real fast about how amazing Anne is at apologizing? And I like, I wrote this in Literally my Literally Buffy's best friend. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, Seriously, honestly, I was like, can she stay? Because I'm not trying to bash on Buffy's friends because I know everyone in the show is flawed and they all have like good and bad things. I think that Willow is a good friend to Buffy despite having her flaws. I think that Xander is even sometimes there for Buffy despite having his flaws. As a whole, though, I do think that they kind of are not the best at seeing things from Buffy's perspective, and a lot of times they're very selfish in their friendship with Buffy, but Anne is so kind to Buffy, thanks her for everything she does, like, gets mad at her, says one unkind thing out of line, and immediately apologizes. Like, what a friend. I'm not going to say that I've never heard Willow and Xander apologize, but it's just very hard to find those moments. And I think the show often chooses instead of having the verbal apology to have like, we're going to talk about Dead Man's Party next week. <laughs> oh, boy. And instead oh. of, <laughs> instead of the gang. Party? Oh, it's the one where it's, Buffy comes um, back. Empty Places Part 1. <laughs> oh, I remember that episode. 
You guys act like I, I, I never remember the titles. I remember the episode if you explain it to me. I hate that episode. Oh my gosh. You'll no. remember. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Oh yeah. This just your little gosh. taste for next week, man. But the thing is that there's no actual like apology or reconciliation in that episode. It's literally like the zombies jump in and everyone's like, all right, now we're going to work together. And the idea that the show is trying to tell us is them fighting is them actually working out their issues. But at some point that doesn't work anymore. And we've, we've talked about this and we're going to talk about it until the show is over. At some point we would like to hear the words, Buffy, I was being a jerk and I am sorry. You were right. And we don't really hear that in the show. And to hear Lily be like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was a really good apology. And I was like, dang, can Lily stay here on this show? Why is she going to Angel? Stay on Buffy. (laughs) And you know how much like we really crave it, that it's like the one time that uh, Xander like apologizes in the early seasons, not even apologizes, but just like in amends when he's like, oh, I'm going to help him make up for all the wrongdoings by Angel. He never really apologizes. He just kind of helps and everyone's like, yay, good job, Xander. <laughs> and that's something the show does. Their idea of apology yeah. is I'm going to go help you or I'm going to do stuff with you or like let's yeah. go fight things And then together. we're going to have like, a little moment where we both smile at each other and everyone it's just not enough. up. But you they went- do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yay, we have like a sweet look to each other. Cool. But like, that's not enough. I need a, hey, I'm sorry. And here yep. are the reasons why. I feel like I'm talking to my third graders where yeah. I'm like, hey, when you apologize, you say, I'm sorry for hurting you and give examples of yes. what you hurt them for. And yes. then you ask for their like forgiveness. That's how you apologize. And then on top of that, you change. Yes. Yeah. All those go together. I feel like I'm talking to my third graders. I think the thing is too is that we didn't we don't need an apology every episode because realistically that'd be annoying. But we needed some apologies. Like I'm not trying to, you know, stay on this, but the minute Buffy found out that Xander like did not relay the less message from Willow. There should have been a huge scene where he apologized. I'm sorry. (laughs) She's like, I'm done. Tapping out. No, I agree. And I think the thing is, is that especially in dead men's parties, some really hurtful things are said. And again, we're going to talk about it, but like then it's just done, you know? And the thing is that we can excuse that because dead men's party, although it sucks, absolutely, we still have all the rest of season three. We have the amazing moment in graduation day. We have all the cool stuff that happens in season four or five kind of six. But what absolutely chops my hide is in empty places. We're like, what, two episodes away from chops the finale my at that hide. point? It chops my hide. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. the cowboys wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, girl, don't know how angry I am at this rodeo. That's what I heard. The thing is, is that, again, we get to empty places and we're literally two episodes away from the finale and everybody's relationships have been like so frayed up until the point where, you know, they have this ridiculously hurtful, everybody gang up on Buffy, kick her out of her own house thing. And then there's never any actual apology or talking about it afterwards. And so we've seen this happen all throughout Buffy. So by the time we get to that point, it's like, okay, dude, like we actually need to have verbal apologies. We're we're to that point now. Like a smile is just not enough. But what do we get? Smiles and in some cases, nothing. Where Buffy has to get over it on herself, by herself. And I guess us as the audience has to forgive it with her. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> and then Spike has to come give her a pep talk because he's the only one on Buffy's side. He's been there since the beginning. Oh, wait. No, he hasn't. Why is it freaking Spike? Anyway, that's a story for another day. Buffy and Angel forever and always. That's how we're ending. Speaking of forever, I have one last thing to talk about just to kind of end on a semi-high note. So on the beach, Buffy says to Angel, stay with me. And he says, forever, that's the whole point. And obviously, this is meant to mirror Ricky and Lily's relationship. But obviously, this whole episode is dealing with the aftermath of what happened in Buffy and Angel's relationship in season two. Um, And so throughout all of Buffy, her relationship with Angel is often referred to as a forever love and even sometimes on Angel as well. But there is one particular moment that this scene mirrors, and I absolutely love it. So in season five, Forever, it's the episode after the body, Angel shows up at Buffy's mom's grave and spends the night with her just cuddling in a graveyard. And at the very end, Buffy says, it's going to get light soon. And Angel says, I can stay in town as long as you want me. And Buffy says, how's forever? Does forever work for you? And it's the sweetest thing. All right. Well, on that depressing note, we, I think that's everything. Um, I don't know how to end this episode. See you next time for a great episode. <laughs> Dead man's party. And now we're all depressed this. for next week. Hey, I highly suggest everyone come back, though, just because since we all hate it, um, it'll be really entertaining because we'll just be crapping on it the it's whole gonna time. It's going to be highly amusing. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's everything, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for the spoiler section of Anne. Definitely come back next week because we will be talking about Dead Man's Party and you all know what conversation comes up there. I'm sure Leah's going to have a lot to say. So will we, but especially Leah. I will have lots to say. It's because Leah's like silent and then all of a sudden she comes in like a bomb and <laughs> disappears again. No, we hear. We hear. Um, can I talk now? she bulldozes through she doesn't ask she bulldozes she interrupts she's like um to be fair (laughs) or can i say i raise my hand no you don't yes i do straight up (laughs) guys i am raising your eyebrows guys no guys listen i am being painted out as a villain on this podcast i swear my life i (laughs) I know you you know i swear too much bachelorette (laughs) yeah i'm like am i confessional i'm like these girls don't even know what they're saying. I literally didn't say that. <laughs> There's like video proof that I literally don't do that. All right. Well, this has been highly amusing. And if this <laughs> episode is any indication of how the rest of season three is going to go, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be fun. So Wait, can I close this out? Yeah, no, go. Leah has a special little piece that she would like to perform for you all. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs> Bam!